time the UFC puts together a decent card and it turns into fucking Bellator. This is your host, Iggy, currently down, down with the sickness. The UFC 2, was it, what was it, UFC 280? UFC, yeah, UFC 280 gave me fucking influenza. <clears throat> Alright, lots of silly bullshit happened on that card, as some of it was less silly. But it was primarily extremely silly, <clears throat> especially given how anticipated the event was and uh, what we got in the end. It's just uh, the, the ratio is kind of skewed. Okay, so I guess in sort of in a in a progression of lessening this displeasure with uh, the outcome, so I will break down the event. Uh, <clears throat> not going to break it down in great detail because just like uh, not much interesting was happening in terms of like technique and stuff, but uh, Islam Makhachev versus uh, Chucky Olives, or Chucky Olives versus Islam Makhachev. Um, yeah, no asterisks here. Uh, Islam beats Chucky fair and square, just completely obliterated him, looked uh, more comfortable on the feet than Chucky, heavy on top, uh, great improvements overall, and uh, Chucky kind of, he didn't look regressed because it's uh, more like his usual defensive liabilities and his usual habits were were as present as ever in this fight, and uh, People kind of discounted the possibility of Chucky getting club and subbed, even though it was kind of the most um, the most common way by which he lost his previous fights, and everyone kind of assumed that. Uh, I think due to the nature of the matchups, it was uh, a flaw that was kind of curtailed because everyone assumed that it's a flaw that Chucky has been able to address recently. But the guys that he fought weren't really like great submission artists or great club and subbers compared to Islam Akhachev and so Islam knocked him down <clears throat> and uh, got the arm triangle and that's it uh, they kind of tried to hype up uh, Habib is trying to hype up the uh, Makhachev Volkanovsky fight and honestly like, I am aggressively indifferent to that po to the possibility of that fight happening because I would at least like Makhachev to get one title win and kind of solidify his reign before getting uh, into all that weight hopping bullshit that usually derails uh, divisions very badly and also I would like uh, Volkanovski to have some time to settle into uh, 155 put on some mass and get comfortable with the new uh, get comfortable at the new weight 
with the added muscle mass and all that stuff. Obviously, it might not matter in the end anyway, because Makhachev is fucking gigantic, and he's also a pressure grappler, and uh, those types kind of... They kind of tend to give trouble to everyone, irrespective of their skill sets, and uh, which is evident in the Habib run and uh, the current win by Makhachev. Regardless, if well, if there's any fighter that I trust to come up with a clever game plan and at least give lots of trouble to Makhachev, it's Volkanovski. It's just that get like get give Benio a title shot. <laughs> Benio had a great performance on that card as well. Um, honestly, it's kind of ridiculous that Benio hasn't has not been given the title shot yet. Um, and uh, the Dustin uh, Chandler fight is probably going to give the winner of that fight another title shot, which is just kind of throws the whole title picture out of whack. Ugh. Give me a second here. Uh, this this is how I feel about the prospects of Makhachev Volkanovsky should happen later Volkanovsky is kind of old getting kind of like putting on years and uh, has been in uh, numerous tough fights but I think he still has it in him to knock out um, a couple other featherweight contenders before getting into it with Makhachev <clears throat> anyway uh, TJ Aljo <clears throat> oh TJ Alger, fucking horrendous. Uh, I know that uh, athletic commissions suck anyway, but kind of like, I mean, at least they, I don't know, at least they could have probably checked if uh, TJ's shoulder is still, you know, secured within its fucking socket. Meanwhile, on Abu Dhabi, he was just been allowed to get in there and get like basically demolished for a couple rounds with one arm. <coughs> I, TJ is a fucking idiot, but um, if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. And uh, tough TJ very much is. Uh, <coughs> uh, feels bad for kind of... It just kind of diminishes the win uh, in the sense that Daljo uh, basically beat on a person with one functioning arm for a couple rounds. And uh, it, it might have happened anyway, had TJ both, you know, if TJ was uninjured, but as it as it stands now, it's just <clears throat> basically, yeah, uh, <laughs> I was just beating up a cripple, essentially. Uh, okay, so the, the, the amount of thoughts that I have on Piotr Jan versus uh, Sean O'Malley is just vastly outweighs the rest of the card uh, because it's the most controversial outcome and uh, the weirdest outcome and the weirdest fight I think on the on the card um, so everyone expected Sean O'Malley to get demolished basically and uh, Sean O'Malley overperformed and uh, Sean O'Malley came in looking great he looked sharp uh, vastly, vastly better than in some of his previous outings. <clears throat> Sean O'Malley, given his history of injuries and getting like breaking his own arms and ribs and feet and legs uh, on his opponents while fighting, <coughs> kind of, uh, 
kind of meant that everyone expected him to get uh, to basically like Piotr Jan to kick him in the leg once and just break it in half, which isn't what happened. <clears throat> Instead, what happened was that uh, Piotr Jan basically won the fight and uh, Sean O'Malley got the split decision win of uh, empty volume instead <laughs> and uh, one sequence where Piotr Jan got wobbled and uh, after which I have to add Piotr Jan immediately decked Sean O'Malley with the hardest right hand ever and uh, put him on his ass. <clears throat> so, uh, lots of strange takes circulating around this fight. People who uh, say that this was a robbery and uh, Piotr Jan deserved the win because he grappled O'Malley. Uh, they're obviously wrong. Grappling doesn't mean anything if you do not score with damage. <clears throat> Takedowns don't mean shit. It's not the grappling that won Piotr Jan the fight. It's the vastly more impactful punches that he landed. And Sean O'Malley, as much volume as he threw, most of it were just kind of glancing blows of... Piotr Jan's guard off his forehead. Yeah, everyone's pointing to stats and uh, it's been... I've said this many times before. I've said this uh, a million times before. Fight metric means dick. <laughs> doesn't mean anything. It's just two guys like counting any uh, anything that they deem to be a connection and they usually don't can't tell a glancing jab from... Uh, also, significant strikes. The significant strike percentage... Uh, the stat it doesn't actually count significant strikes in the sense that the most impactful they're the most impactful punches it's just any punches that land any strikes that landed on the feet and uh, a jab also counts as a significant strike even a glancing jab meanwhile I, I, I don't want to get too much into it it's statistics it's something that we evaluated Many times before on Tangredo and in elsewhere uh, under the fight side umbrella. Uh, so basically, what happened? Uh, the way I see it is that just uh, Patrian kind of showed up with the same game plan that he utilized against uh, Sandhagen and just uh, executed it worse. <laughs> he just kind of treated O'Malley unseriously. He treated him as an unserious threat. Uh, didn't take him... Uh, um, didn't, like, deem him to be a big enough threat to just kind of employ his skill set to the fullest. And uh, kind of tried to do the same thing he did against Sandy, which is just uh, hand fight, uh, kicks off stun switches, and uh, a strange emphasis on grappling. And uh, it's just... Like uh, Piotr Jan, I would describe him as uh, having this sort of like Soviet amateur boxing-esque mentality of I'm going to showcase my entire skill set over the course of this fight. I'm going to, in this round, I'm going to do this. In this round, I'm going to do that. Uh, and in this particular fight, I want to show off skill set X or skill set Y or skill set Z. And so for this fight, in the pre-fight interview, he talked about how he's a more complete martial artist and hence why he decided to put this much focus on grappling on offensive grappling I presume but Piotr Jan is not very good at offensive grappling it's just it's it's not even uh, like a, it's not even his B game his like his A game is 
obviously pressure and striking <clears throat> striking at range and uh, his B game is like the transitions or maybe like it's kind of blurs a little bit he's been pu- putting more focus on transitions in a lot of his fights uh, anyway semantics so uh, against it's kind of like almost looked like Piotr Jan expected to just find these fight defining uh, fight defining moments where he would just deck O'Malley and put him on his ass and just and these moments would decide the fight in his favor which well first of all it puts uh, a lot of stocks uh, it puts a lot of stock in the ability of the judges to recognize what you're doing which doesn't happen often second of all it just uh, it just it's putting up a lot more to chance because in the prior fights like for example in against the Rivera, against Jimmy Rivera and against uh, Sandhagen what got him these big uh, fight defining moments is his ability to subtly to use his subtle ring craft and intercepting strikes and subtle stance switches and feints and uh, using all these subtle things together to get the opponent moving where he wanted them to move and decking them with an intercepting strike. And against O'Malley, he just kind of sort of swung for the breaches. Breaches? <laughs> bleaches. He swung for the bleaches. He just kind of like went, ah, and uh, started doing these big, shifty, uh, winging uh, clotheslines or hooks or whatever the fuck. Whereas... He would use these swings, but he used them with purpose. There was purpose behind them. I guess, like, for example, Jose Aldo, he used a very wide left hook, that uh, right hook, I'm sorry, that left Aldo's field of vision and looped around the guard, hit him in the temple. Again, Sanhagen, the spinning shit always was set up by direction feints. <clears throat> Against Rivera, the shifting strikes were predicated by Ringcraft and uh, using the threat of moving one way to get Rivera moving the other way and intercepting with a shifting strike. It's a problem that was also evident in the um, in the second Alja fight, where he would just kind of sort of just swing uh, and uh, bank on the shifting uh, combinations to be able to find his connections. And uh, that's just not reliable. And... The excuse of Piotr Jan, oh, Piotr Jan is obviously a five-round fighter. It's just it kind of doesn't work very well because, as an elite fighter, as a fighter of Piotr Jan's caliber, you should be able to win three rounders just as convincingly as five rounders simply by utilizing more safety leads, taking the initiative, uh, attacking more often, and Piotr Jan did none of that. He just kind of like he grappled for. Unreasonably, unreasonably long stretches of the fight. All his prior defensive liabilities were more present than ever, which is uh, his love of eating knees, which got him very badly cut and affected the uh, the optics of the fight uh, in O'Malley's favor, vastly in O'Malley's favor, because Petrian was bloodied and swinging. And uh, we just... Uh, the inability to kind of like pass the legs of O'Malley, just uh, Petrian is just not a very good guard passer, I'd say. He's a, he has very good grounded pound, and I think that's what he banked on. But he kind of like rushed through the motions, didn't establish 
uh, a base from which he could throw. And uh, O'Malley was able to slide in knee shields and just kind of like in- in- interrupt and logjam uh, Piotr Jan's uh, attempts at landing ground and pound. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Sean O'Malley just, uh, he showed more discipline on the back foot compared to his previous outings and especially to compared to the uh, Chris Moutinho fight, which is when, uh, well, Sean O'Malley was basically given a layup in that fight. Chris Moutinho is not good at all. And uh, despite that, Moutinho was able to find lots of success. And it was, frankly, an embarrassing performance. But yeah, uh, and this one didn't actually, like, ran himself backwards to the fence like he did against certain, like, uh, well, against Moutinho. And uh, uh, utilized more pivoting and uh, off-angle strikes to land uh, his offense. Obviously, he didn't land all that clean and all that often, but at least the empty volume, I guess, gave him the optics of kind of outboxing, quote-unquote, Petrian. Landed a very nice um, right hand off, uh, like, uh, while moving. Just kind of an off-angle right hand, which uh, hurt Petrian. I, I mean, obviously, Petrian just landed much harder <laughs> and hurt uh, Sean O'Malley even worse immediately afterwards. But it, there were some nice sequences. I'd say, you know what? You know what this reminds me of? It's, uh, it reminds me of the uh, Yair Rodriguez fight versus uh, Max Holloway. Max Holloway versus Yair Rodriguez, where Rodriguez overperformed and uh, was able to hurt uh, well, not hurt, but kind of like beat up Max Holloway on entry, despite getting his ass kicked regardless. And it caused a lot of people to just kind of like go, oh, Yair Rodriguez nearly beat Max Holloway, dessert fight, close fight, yada, yada, yada. And I saw lots of people talking about how this fight was not a robbery and the decision was not a robbery and how because the fight was close and allegedly it could go either way. But just to just kind of like clarify things a little bit, I don't think, I think a fight can be close, but also have a clear winner. Therefore, making certain decisions are robbery. Which is uh, something, uh, um, which is something that gets lost in uh, the, um, the decision discourse a lot of the time. People just kind of get hung up on the idea of fights being competitive or close. Like, for reference, uh, a fight can be competitive but not close. Like, for example, uh, Volkanovski-Holloway 1, or arguably Volkanovski-Holloway 3, because Max was still coming up with good ideas and finding moments of success. Uh, It was competitive. Max was still in the game, but Volkanovski still beat him clearly. And... uh, in here, the fight, it, it was arguably close because purely because of the optics, not because of the actual strikes landed. Uh, but it had a clear winner in Patrian, uh, in my opinion. And uh, therefore, the decision is still a robbery. <laughs> I've also, uh, I like, I've, I've got into kind of like a an, a very indirect 
conflict with Kyle McLaughlin again <laughs> by posting my immediate post-fight thoughts uh, from the uh, fight side account. And it kind of prompted Kyle to talk about moving the goalposts and talking about how... Uh, oh, so is it Piotr Jan having a bad performance now or is it a robbery? Was the fight a robbery or, or did Jan have a bad performance? And uh, my answer is both are true. Piotr Jan had a bad performance which uh, cost him the optics of the fight, and but it was still also a robbery because Kadrian clearly landed the much more impactful shots. <laughs> and so, according to the scoring criteria, Kadrian won the fight, but uh, uh, some of the judges gave the swing rounds to O'Malley and uh, other judges gave the clearly Jan rounds to O'Malley, and it's just, just ridiculous, really. As to the response from uh, the fans, I would say, I mean, I'm generally like, I've been, <laughs> ever since I got banned off MMA Twitter, it's been kind of like, like a blessing in disguise. I can't, I could no longer talk to some of the people that I'd like talking to on there. But on the other hand, I was not exposed to the, uh, the general toxicity of the community. But uh, I kind of, uh, got a glimpse into it briefly and uh, lots of people are just being dramatic and I wish that uh, I mean it's obviously going to be the case but I wish fight fans stopped being so I don't know uh, jumping to, to to these big broad conclusions and just make these leaps these uh, leaps of logic like, uh, oh, Piotr Jan was never as good as everyone talked about him. He uh, doesn't belong in the top five, top 10 pound for pound. Uh, overhyped bum. And the other the other parties, like, Sean O'Malley is top three because he clearly beat Piotr Jan. And it's just like, eh, come on, just calm down. <laughs> uh, and I kind of think that some of these uh, opinions are predicated on people's dislike of Piotr Jan dick riders and Sean O'Malley dick riders and so these people groups of people just sort of clash and it's just extremely annoying to interact with them and I get that but it's still to in, that's not something you should should be basing your analysis off of or at least as a fight analyst I kind of like me personally I try to distance myself from that and avoid letting the annoyances that uh, I encounter on social media affect my analysis. So in this case, what I would suggest is that uh, I would caution people against reading too much into this fight, because, well, first of all, Styles, they fucking make fights. Sean <laughs> uh, O'Malley is a rangy, powerful striker, and uh, th that is much taller and rangier than Piotr Jan. And uh, Piotr Jan, that, that Sean O'Malley relies a lot on volume, and Piotr Jan is just kind of more of the more of a uh, this type of guy that kind of punishes your attempts to land volume. And so he looks for these big fight-defining moments, which uh, it's kind of leads to this weird interplay of styles and. <clears throat> Generally speaking, I would not even think that O'Malley, uh, like, w what was surprising is O'Malley's durability, obviously, like his chin durability, not his, like, overall, 
you know, bone density or stuff like that. <laughs> but kind of like it was like a combination of Peter Yan fighting a bad fight and Sean O'Malley being kind of like an awkward matchup, kind of like the way Sanhagen was, but Peter Yan was able to navigate that matchup much more clearly because he prepared well and he stuck to a very clever game plan and utilized discipline tactics, which he did not utilize in this fight. Uh, in the meantime, the there are really no guys like like Petrian at the top of the division. Uh, well, Chito Vera kind of is kind of similar stylistically to Petrian, but also uh, the Chito Vera low volume approach has been predicated on the matchups that he has been facing because he was facing like the just psychotic swarmer in uh, Rob Font and uh, the master of smoke and mirrors. In Dominic Cruz, so he just looked for these big uh, narrative-defining moments of the fights and uh, big finishes, big knockdowns. And usually, uh, Chito Vera actually employs a lot more volume, more front kicks, more uh, elbows in the clinch, more clinch work in general. Sandhagen, obviously, kind of like in a similar, in, in a broadly similar mold to Sean O'Malley, so he offers. Uh, very volume heavy, very nuanced uh, striking at range. <clears throat> Arguably less powerful than O'Malley, but also I would say more well rounded as a striker, perhaps, and uh, somewhat better at Ringcraft. Kind of like uh, also psychotically durable. Uh, who else is there? Well, Aljo, obviously, a rough matchup for O'Malley, I think. Uh, obviously, on the feet, he's kind of, he's still kind of awkward. Still a bit herky-jerky at times, but just his sprint, sprint grappling and the ability to just get to these positions. I think that's a very scary matchup for O'Malley if, if he gets the title shot. Uh, yeah, generally speaking, like the whole bantamweight title picture is like very strange right now Sean O'Malley overperformed got the decision and so he he gets goes up in the rankings and uh, so what does Daljo uh, fight Cheeto Vera but Song Yadong is also there <laughs> climbing the rankings oh wait no <clears throat> Song Yadong recently lost to Kuro via nasty nasty uh, card stoppage but Corey Sanhagen also fought Alja before and got smashed. And uh, doesn't seem like his grappling like made that much of an improvement to just solidify his uh solidify his case for a title shot. It's just it's just so weird. <laughs> like <laughs> what do we do now? Uh so Peter Jan's road to the rematch with Alja was has been derailed. So does uh, does Aljamain Sterling fights Sean O'Malley of a robbery while also having smashed uh, a TJ with no arms? What is this? <laughs> it's just it's just a completely nonsensical title picture. And I mean, I guess it's nothing new for Bantamweight because Bantamweight has historically had uh, has been cursed with a completely chaotic, completely ridiculous title picture anyway. It's just that 
it's kind of like seems completely egregious, even by bantamweight standards. And uh, <clears throat> there's also one thing I wanted to touch upon, which is just uh, the attitude that uh, people exposed to Yan fans have developed, which is just like Yan fans kind of act like he can do no wrong. He's just this. Oh, he's so evil and he's a violent gremlin. I love how like nasty he is and what a piece of shit he is. Yada yada yada. And uh, uh, oh, best fighter in the world. <clears throat> you know, usual dick rider bullshit. But it also caused this like reaction out of people, where just people people just kind of actively wish him to lose purely because the fans are annoying. And uh, it happens. It it happened to a, a bunch of fighters. I saw that happen before. Uh, Tony Ferguson is one unfortunate example where his fans got annoying, and so everyone just kind of like that. There was a group of people that actively wished him to lose, and in retrospect, it just seems just kind of like ill-conceived, <laughs> just because uh, the fall off for Tony has been so sad and so depressing, and this just unwarranted hatred caused purely by how annoying the fans are. Just seems, uh, yeah, it just seems ill-conceived. Meanwhile, like I, I honestly wonder how the the war has affected Piotr Jan and his training situation in this corner. Because, I mean, let me tell you, for these past seven months, I have not been having a good time. Uh, it's massively affected my like mental and physical well-being in a very different, like in a multitude of different ways, and also. Yeah, like uh, I, I like I can distinctly remember Petrian posting like indirectly alluding to the idea that maybe we should like have peace, and uh, he kind of it's it, obviously it's a safe position, but it's also an, a very unsafe position if you're a Russian citizen right now, uh, because uh, people are being arrested for simply saying that war is bad and maybe we should have less war. This is like the controversial position right now, and it it, it is deemed anti-patriotic in Russia. It's something you can get arrested for. Uh, and like beyond that, lots of like like my relatives are in danger, and my, lots of like my friends are in danger. Lots of my friends have also fled the country and have been put into very unpleasant positions due to to the, to the recent events. <coughs> Beyond that, uh, like beyond that, there's also the fact that the mobilization is ongoing, and uh, to provide, I've also talked about this before, but Russia is currently like mobilizing people from remote regions and regions like places where Petrian grew up and uh, where I grew up personally as well, like Siberia. To provide a good recent example is there's. Uh, the mobilization drive in uh, the Republic of Altai. Um, 90% of all mobilized personnel from the Altai Republic are ethnically Altai people. For reference, the Altai people make up for 33% of the population of the Republic, uh, with the other 56% being Russians, and the rest being classified as quote-unquote others. Said quote-unquote, others are also being mobilized en masse, indigenous Siberians with 
population numbering in low thousands or even hundreds. Like, for example, the uh, Chilim people, uh, of which there are like maybe 300 people left, and a lot of them got mobilized anyway, which is just... I mean, it's ethnic cleansing is what it is. And Petrian himself is... Uh, I'm just going... Go- Obviously, I'm going beyond the scope of just MMA, maybe engaging in some armchair psychology, but I kind of feel for him, for him regardless. And maybe that can retroactively explain some of my biases and kind of like invalidate my thoughts on the fight. But yeah, okay. I'm biased in favor of Petrian because I like his style and uh, I can sympathize with some of the experiences growing up because he obviously carries himself as a person with a chip on his shoulder. And this chip on his shoulder has been developed because he's like a mixed person, mixed race person living in one of the most racist countries in the world. And the way he strongly, uh, overwhelmingly identifies with his Slavic identity is an example of him trying to sort of like employ this survivor mimicry in order to not get bullied anymore for his last name and for his looks. And uh, any other number of things for which uh, mixed race people are derided in Russia. I don't know. It's just uh, he's still he's been given uh, just a just a rough hand, and uh, like from not having his corner in the Alja fight and like the uh, the situ- like the tables being turned on him. And his current, like, technical regression uh, uh, against Sean O'Malley, I don't know. Maybe he's not... Uh, maybe there's something there. Maybe something. there's some beyond-the-scenes, behind-the-scenes stuff that's happening that we don't know of. Anyway, that's all speculation. Might might be completely untrue and bear no weight uh, on the fight itself. Uh, if, if you wish to discard everything I've said right now, that's your... F- that's your right. Won't fault you for doing that. But like the name stuff. Like personally, I came up with Iggy as a pen name because uh, it wasn't wasn't a pen name initially. It was just a, like uh, it was a second name that I came up with myself in order to use it in everyday life because I was embarrassed of using my actual given name, which is uh, like a traditional Mongolian name. Now it's the other way around. Now it's... Um, well, not the other way around. Now Iggy is just... You know, it's just a nickname on the internet. I'm no longer embarrassed of my real given name. And I've been able to move past all these... Uh, all that internalized racism, you know? Uh, that gets developed in ethnic minorities in all across the world, I guess. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, Benil Darius. Uh had a great performance. Uh, uh, fought uh, f- fought Mateusz Gamrot, the uh, the gamer. Uh, lots of really cool grappling sequences in that fight, and a gigantic, just absolutely massive knockdown by Benil Darius against Gamrot. Just floored him. Uh, like, like it, it kind of didn't never hit me before, but. Watching the uh, pre-fight promotion package that they prepared for Benil Darush, the man has the most psychotic 
highlight reel uh like amongst any lightweight it's just it's ridiculous it's it's insane just each each and every moment is just horrendously violent and it's very funny <laughs> uh <coughs> Benil Darush also spoke out uh, about the recent struggles of the Iranian people which is uh, which was uh, it, it was a nice moment use your platform and all that uh, it's just that either the the balls or the weird cultural insensitivity and on parts of Benil Darush to just talk about Jesus Christ and uh, his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and how he's gonna if you're gonna go against his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ he's gonna he, he's gonna get you but <laughs> it's very strange uh Manon Fiorbro versus Kate. Oh, for fuck's sake. Milan Mohammed had a, a good performance against Sean Brady. Sean Brady kind of, kind of one note, just the left hook and nothing else, even though that left hook was, has been landing him for him throughout the fight. Basically, every single left hook that Sean Brady threw connected. <clears throat> but it just wasn't enough. Benio, meanwhile, kind of stuck to his guns and utilized his striking to get the finish and showcased really good finishing instincts and really good shot selection on the finish like the way that he would throw the jab then the overhand and then immediately throw the uppercut after the overhand and then an overhand after the uppercut it's just clever guard manipulation it's really good stuff as for the rest of the cards I uh, yeah it wasn't great <laughs> yeah, nothing nothing interesting happening on that, on that card most stacked card of the year, my fucking ass. I mean, just overall, the event was just kind of a disappointment. And uh, to add insult to injury, it was also like, it also happened on the night of my fucking 27th birthday. And uh, this is the shit I got. <laughs> it's just... Like, I wouldn't lie. Everyone who I've been rooting for basically lost, except Benny and uh, I, know, I guess Bilal. Even though I wasn't rooting for Bilal, but I guess it was a nice performance. But everything else is just a complete shit show. Jeez. To the point where I didn't even want to record anything about this event, because I've had a lot of thoughts, but these thoughts kind of depressed me. But now I kind of like... I put pulled myself together by uh, <laughs> I got the bootstraps and pulled myself up by the bootstraps and recorded this podcast while being horrendously horrendously ill with a massive sinus infection. Uh, yay me! <laughs> uh, obviously, I could uh, go into more more. I could go more in depth and the stuff that I maybe forgot to touch upon because it's just. My brains are scrambled right now. Uh, but if I remember anything, maybe I will just try to follow up post or something. Also, even though I have not been t on Twitter for a while now because I got permabent, I also have a new account. Just stay quiet about it. Don't tell anyone that it's me. <laughs> but maybe I'll start posting there again. Uh, the usual, like, the usual stuff. It's like some certain, uh, certain quick analysis, quick thoughts, jokes, uh, and uh, sometimes the old sentimental thread about uh, whatever the fuck. Uh, 
what else is there? We got news. Oh yeah, uh, the uh, the fucking um, the commissions, the commission price list is going to be published soon. Maybe like in the next couple of weeks, and you'll be able to make commissions. Finally, uh, it's uh, it's a project uh, that I've long wished to roll out for the website. Uh, basically, the idea goes like: instead of subscribing to our Patreon uh, and getting like. Uh, at, a, at a high tier and expecting benefits that we may not be able to fulfill due to the intensity of the schedule or just like scheduling conflicts and uh, stuff like real life bullshit you just pay us a flat fee and uh, pick a pick a pick a staff member of your preference and we'll we'll knock it out by the end of the month that's it feels like a much more realistic and fair arrangement it will be, you will be able to request alternate commentaries, uh, podcasts, stuff like uh, resume reviews or like uh, uh, decision evaluations, like in the vein of the Ad Gallo series, bad calls, stuff like that. We want to bring this back. Uh, you, if you shell out the big bucks, we might also write an entire article for you, or even make uh, an edited video breakdown. With voiceover and uh, fancy graphics and everything uh, and all that good stuff. Anyway, in other good news, I've been finally reunited with my wife, who has been uh, away in South Korea trying to make some money. And uh, now all we have to do is just wait until our attorneys come up with uh, uh, with a plan for to on how we're gonna present our petition to the US government in order to get a visa who knows maybe we'll be in the US by Christmas <laughs> and, uh, well now I've cursed now I've cursed it and uh, I've shattered <laughs> by the time we get our visa World War 2 is going to break out and China is going to invade, Ta- invade Taiwan and Russia is going to launch nukes or something <coughs> anyway fucking hell before I kill over dead, I'm, I guess I'm just going to end this. Uh, sorry for the uh, perhaps uh, an unpleasant listen due to, the, to my current state, but I hope you enjoyed the thoughts. If there was anything interesting or uh, anything you might wish to discuss some more, you can always join our Patreon and uh, join our Discord, and I'll gladly address any feedback that you might have. Anyway, this has been Tengridome, uh, your host, Iggy. Uh, hopefully, I'll be still, I'll, hopefully, I'll still be alive by next week. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you for listening. <laughs>